You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. I'm Corey Munson, coming to you live from Iowa. I'm joined, as always, by Aaron Castro over in Arizona. (laughs) And Liam Madigan-Fried in Texas. Josh is usually usually hanging out over in the comments, but this week he uh, decided to go watch hockey, whatever the hell that is. Uh, so I'll be hanging out with you in the comments, so feel free to hit us up. Uh, but don't ask too many questions because I still got to talk too. So, <laughs> how's your got? How's uh, your week been, guys? Um, it was. Twas, twas indeed. <laughs> Super yeah, informative. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much on the same level, man. Technology is a bitch, though. I will say I had a lot of problems editing uh, the most recent game film for Coach Fitzpatrick. Uh, we use a program called Sports Code, and it just decided that it hated me and it hated the footage I was trying to uh, trying trying to uh, piece together. So I spent about six and a half hours editing one game, and Oof. yeah, that's so. So that set my Monday off beautifully. That is brutal. Brutal. All right. Well, on that happy note, uh, for those of you new to the podcast, uh, we do this each and every Monday night here on YouTube. We discuss news, rumors, and everything about Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union. It's a chance for us to look at the issues, hear from the league, its players, team leadership, and check in with our friends from across the U.S. rugby scene. Which honestly, I don't know about you guys, but I don't feel like we've done enough of this year. We need to we need to get some guest commentators to stop by sometime soon. Oh, absolutely! You know, Brian Ray, where are you at, man? Yeah. Oh, well, uh, the- I, I think we need to take a road trip to the ARN podcast first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Aaron, with all that said, what we got coming up on the show this week? Well, if you're in Texas, you're in trouble. Um, Historic first draw. That was cool. Um, or not, depending on who you are. Uh, Seattle, best rugby united New York. And, uh, you know, after about 20 minutes, it was really a one-sided affair. Uh, and, of course, our beloved Eagles. They got a win. But uh, we'll talk about why it was more like a loss later in the show. Yeah, it's uh... – not a lot of great news coming out of uh, the ARC this year so far, but we'll—I'm uh, sure—we'll discuss all of that good stuff here shortly. All right, so let's go to Texas, uh, Liam's new homeland, as it was. Yeah, you guys should come to Texas, man. Come give me a visit. <laughs> I, you know, I was just there. I, I flew over you and then came back to Iowa for some reason. I mean, I enjoy Houston. Houston's got some great food. It's got great entertainment. It has been rugby. I just, you know, I just need to, I guess, get it done. Maybe maybe if USA Rugby put more matches there, I would have more reason to come than I have now. I mean, I have a lot of reasons to come to Houston. Don't get me wrong. It's just about, you know, plugging it in. So, I'll tell you one thing Texas does not have a lot of. 
winning professional rugby teams. You know, fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, this weekend, both uh, Houston and Austin uh, were bested. Uh, Toronto traveled to Houston, uh, ended up beating uh, the Sabercats 44-27. to And meanwhile, uh, San Diego was in Austin, where they took home. A win, forty-five to seventeen. Uh, of course, I, uh, <laughs> most of what I learned about these two games came from Twitter, since both of them were supposed to be on Facebook Live, and uh, neither of them were on Facebook Live the entire whoa, evening. Whoa, 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 whoa! That Austin, is a that is a lie. That is a lie. They were kind neither, of it. They were the on. Complete... They were they were on Facebook Live. We'll talk about those issues. As we continue through the podcast, <laughs> I could not view the entire either entire game on Facebook Live. That's because you live in Iowa, Corey. I'm it's, like, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure your electricity's run off a hamster on a wheel, like in the fucking. I back mean, no, it's run off a pig on a wheel. <laughs> <laughs> there are more pigs than people in this state. No joke. Truth time. <laughs> Pig power electricity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that was good. Aaron, talk us through some saber cats. All right, so I thought I was going to talk out of my ass at the beginning, but then I found out that I picked Toronto. Uh, I forgot that. I thought I picked Houston with the slight edge. Um, Liam, I got to tell you. Uh, in, in my picks pool, uh, Craig says, um, get bent because your confidence. I was like, that was a confident pick. Are you sure? He's like, your confidence in the cats swayed him and he picked the Sabercats. But I apparently did not. And I picked Toronto, so I feel better about this. But um, we, we saw proof of concept. I felt more confident uh, in Toronto going into this match late in the week when I found out that, uh, you know, they made a a crazed, smart, tactical decision. Uh, Mark Winokur, uh, instead of booking flights home, they book flights direct to Houston, and they spent the week in Houston getting used to that, you know, nasty Texas spring humidity. Because it was like 90, I think 90% humidity or something at kickoff, something stupid. It, it, it felt gross because, like, there was, like, a bunch of, like, you know, wet fog. Like, it wasn't raining, but it just felt like – it felt like swamp ass, you know, but like, it was just everywhere. It, it felt like South Texas winter? Exactly, yeah. But, I mean, I guess it beats, like, you know, negative 20 degrees up where I grew up, so. <sighs> so, you know, uh, so I felt more confident about that. Getting Rob Brewer back in full fitness, he didn't start – or play against Seattle last week was a significant portion of their their game plan up front in the scrummage. Uh, and in ball carrying, of course, as well. Uh, what I'm seeing from Toronto and from really every team in the league, for the most part, including the Sabercats, is a lot of creative rugby. We're seeing fly halves kick the ball, put the ball in play. Uh, I think who else was it? Nuts. So Sam Malcolm had a great game. Uh, Dan Moore continues to have great games. Uh, who, you know, Avery Oitoman had a game. Like, these guys are playing some creative rugby. Uh, I was really wondering what they were going to do, but, you know, they're, they're getting it done. Uh, you know, 
uh, taking advantage of penalties, uh, you know, playing the good tactical game, using their set piece. Even, but even for a little bit, uh, Houston was cl- trying to claw back. They kept trying. And, you know, what we saw last week against uh, Seattle is that their fitness uh, at the end for Toronto fell apart this time. Uh, instead of uh, allowing Houston claw back in, they just did enough to close out this game. Uh, I saw a lot more creativity again from Houston than what we saw, uh, you know, all of last season. Uh, their forwards are getting more fit. Uh, you know, uh, Liam was like, why are you talking about Joshua Vici? Vici? You know, why? I was like, so he didn't play. Um, he's nursing an injury. I got it. Uh, however, he's such a huge difference maker. Uh, because of his his athleticism, he's out with injury. But Kelly Colbert, he put on a great shift. He's this Hell guy who, yeah. who's been playing for the Reds for a while uh, up in Dallas. And you know when it, when it talks when you talk about talent hidden in club rugby, there is talent hidden in club rugby. And Kelly Colbert, uh, and you know on the bench at scrum half, Chris Saint is another guy. Uh, there's guys hidden in club rugby that have just needed a shot and really the only professional domestic rugby outlet was either playing sevens uh, on tour with Eagle sevens or somehow being lucky enough to get selected for the Eagles or Eagles selects. So, uh, you know, you know, Kelly, you know, Kelly Colbert is athletic. He's really good, but he's not the, and I think there's no other wing in the league that has the the combination of power and athleticism that VP has uh, at the, from the wing position. He's basically like a six, but he's a fast winger. Like he's very physical. Uh, he breaks tackles all over the place. And you know, missing him and his chemistry that comes with Osea Kalinasau really like screws with what Houston can do. Yeah, no, most definitely, man. And honestly, like I've I've been saying this uh, since he got on the roster and he played uh like and he played those first couple of training sessions with us. Kelly Kolberg is one of the most underrated people in this league. His speed really, really shocks you. Actually, uh, I've seen him in training on multiple occasions, practicing with Santi and with Connor Murphy on chasing down box kicks, uh, trying to you know get them in like just that right spot uh, to get the try. And on multiple occasions, I've seen him pull it off, you know, beautifully. Of course, that's, you know, with no defense. But um, so in terms of the game, so uh, obviously there was the issues with the Facebook Live broadcast. You know, it, some, sometimes that happens with technology. It's a total bitch. But one thing you can do to combat that, though, is if you're in the Houston area or in the greater Texas area, go to the game. I swear to God, it works every single time. You you never, ever have, you know, bad interruptions when you just go to the game. Now, obviously, I was pretty disappointed in the overall result, and the stats uh, actually are going to back that up. The Cats only had a 46% uh, percent possession advantage throughout 466 total meters gained compared to Toronto's 605. So with 93 total passes for Houston, that's only an average of about 5 meters per pass, Compare that to the only 53% gain line rate, and you can tell and you can tell that there was a lot more lateral movement than movement going forward for the Sabercats, and that's a big reason why they lost. There just wasn't that efficiency when they had the ball in hand. Now, you could also look at two uh, crucial mistakes uh, at one point, at uh, two points in the game. Max Tackett had a had a uh, had a really bad fumble that was returned for a try, 
Aaron Schramm threw an interception that was returned um, that was returned for a try in a game that was decided by 17 points. You know that's and uh, both both of those tries uh, off those off the turnovers were converted. So in a 17 point game, that's 14 points that we just kind of gave away to Toronto. If if those mistakes hadn't been made, we possibly could have relied on Sam Windsor's foot a little bit more just to put us over that edge. It could have changed the whole formula, but shoulda, woulda, coulda. I think one thing in this game you you saw was a key point, uh, rather than what we saw, I guess, for the Sabercats in San Diego, but at key points when the, the arrows had the momentum, they did burn a lot of clock, which, I mean – it hap- It works well when you can play smart tactically and then push the ball deep uh, to get out of that situation. Or if you're able to break the game line and eventually convert for points either with a penalty or a try. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and one of, the, one of the people who was great at, in terms of keeping possession for Toronto and making sure that they were able to kill that clock was Dan Moore, who got the uh, man of the match honors. Uh, one of the things I said in my preview earlier this week before the game was that the Cats had to work to contain Dan Moore, but that obviously didn't happen. The guy not only was uh, great with great with the ball in hand, but he was just all over the field defensively as well. He's a really, really versatile player. Uh, really nice guy, too. I got to have a word or two with him after the, after the match. Um, but other, other impact player for Toronto, though, Sam Malcolm. Overall going 8-for-8 eight eight on kicks. Uh, Put put up a ton of points. He, he he did pretty darn well too on on the on the field with the ball in hand as well. Uh, you know, so those are two players that really put this game over the edge. While the SaberCats do have a ton of playmakers, it was just Toronto's overall efficiency coupled with Moore and Malcolm's just phenomenal games that you know really put it together for them. Uh, however, I don't want to be Mister Negative Nancy, especially considering I work for the SaberCats. Uh, there definitely were some highlights in this game. You know, as Aaron said, they got a little bit more creative in the passing game. Uh, they, they really, uh, like in practice and in the game, they really worked to actually try to get the ball down the line to try to create some plays, create some opportunities, especially having people like Osea Kalinasau and Malachi Esdale out there on the outside with so much game-breaking ability. Uh, Zach Pangelinen, however, was a huge factor on offense, not just off of his foot, but with the ball in hand. He had 67 total meters gained on seven carries, uh, with most of our eventual scoring drives getting set up by him. Uh, Esdale had one had a try in this game, showing off some crazy footwork. Uh, so, but on the defensive side, Luke Beauchamp, uh, Beauchamp. I'm sorry, Luke. I always Beauchamp. 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 I gotta say it with an Australian accent. <laughs> Luke oh, Beauchamp. Yeah, because yeah, it's like it's like French but Australian at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Luke Beauchamp is one of their best defensemen. He lead, he was leading the team in tackles with 15 for a 91% tackle success rate. Uh, then Aaron Stram also made his presence felt as well. He kind of made up for that interception at a few different points. Uh, most of and the good majority of his tackles were behind the ruck, uh, making sure that uh, making sure that Toronto didn't reach that gain line. So again, there were some highlights to be had by the uh, you know by Houston, but unfortunately, it just wasn't an efficient game when they had the chance. Yeah, so moving on. I, so Corey mentioned production issues. Yeah, so um, uh, consider, I guess, you know, we're, we're going to have this disclaimer elsewhere. Yes, I do work for the league. Yes, we were working through some production issues because the the non, the non national broadcast is on Facebook Live for Houston when they're at home and not on CBS. There were 
some kinks that uh, the production team did not, I guess, run through um, beforehand. Uh, but it did get fixed. So the next game that there are, the next time that there are two games live on Facebook Live, that will be uh, good to go. Uh, and Corey, just to let you know, you can go watch both games in full on Facebook for both of those teams, and you can quit complaining. All right. Uh, I, I don't feel like I'm going to stop complaining anytime soon. Maybe on this one topic, I'll kind of change my tune. But just in general, I'm going to kind of keep bitching because that's what I do. So, <laughs> so, just, you know. so the Legion one was more – so the Austin Legion game was more – There, I feel like there was a bandwidth issue because the stream would go – well, the second half it went straight. But the stream in the first half would Went for like 10 minutes, stopped, cut out, five minutes, restarted, cut out, 10 minutes, restarted, then 20 minutes into the half. Really annoying. But um, JP Duplessis uh, scored the first try for uh, San Diego. I mean, did we? Did any of us think this was going to be a close game? No, no, not at all. I'm not surprised by the final score whatsoever. Um, so if you're a Legion fan, the, this game shows you what they can do and still wasn't a complete game for them. As I said previously, you're still seeing moments where Austin plays great rugby. And, you know, that's a credit to them. They they had it close at the half. But um, sometimes you have to learn how to win. And uh, San Diego wasn't a team that they were going to learn how to win against. Uh, in the scrimmage, Patty Ryan... Uh, continues to be the class tight end prop in the league. Uh, Dean Near uh, at Hooker also put up another solid shift, scored a try. Uh, you know, it was really, uh, as far as uh, people are going to be like, oh, well, uh, when it comes to team of the week, so play, I guess, first 15 of the week selection, Dean Near was like number two, but Chad Guff had a 95 meter try. So there you go. Um, Demir, really good player. I would say overall he is a huge upgrade uh, at the hooker position for uh, San Diego. Think about this. They've got an eagle hooker now because he just got capped. No, wait. They've got two eagle hookers in Pat Blair, who's not on the active side with Eagles 15, but, you know, he's an he's capped eagle. Now you've got Capelli Piffaletti, who just got capped this weekend. Um, shout out to all two minutes of game time. Um, and Dean Mirk, like they've got depth at hooker and probably the best hooker crop in, in the league, really. Um, you know, I talk about props. We're going to talk about scrummaging a little bit later a lot, I think. Um, and the primary thing you look forward, I'm sure, you know, you, you hear this from, uh, the word be evangelist himself, Greg Cole, uh, and pro and you, Liam, probably hear this from Fitzpatrick Titsy a lot. Is you know, primary thing with props, I want to see like the first thing when I when I want to see a prop, I don't really care what they do as a runner. I, I mean, I do. I like if you can prop and you can run and you can carry powerfully and you can dodge a ball. Yeah, you are a dynamic player uh, or a wrench. Um. <laughs> The Simone Corcool was replaced at the half. So if you want to know what Patty Ryan's dominance was against his opposition, there you go. 
Uh, Austin, you know, has some great back row and second row players. Dominique Bailey, he led the league in tackles this week with 27. It was a lot. Um, and I think it was Travis person. Oh, Larson that's here um, and not with Canada this week. Uh, he had a great game. Um, he was, I think he was declared man of the match for the game uh, for Austin. He, he had a re- he had a really good game, uh, but the the attack, uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Nate Augsburger in general. He's a great dude. He's a very dynamic winger. He's had a lot of turns as the Eagle scrummy where I've cringed, uh, especially when he chooses to box kick. Uh, didn't really have that. Uh, the I didn't cringe at all when he when he box kick or put the ball in play with his foot. Uh, and you know, Friday night he just did what. What Nate Augsburger does high work rate, um, makes these massive quick carries off the ruck, similar to uh, Nate Boyer style, or instead, of, but Nick Boyer is also like the size of a, a blind side. So there you go. Um, his kicking, you know, tackling, he had 14 tackles, probably one of the few complete games I've seen from him as a scrum half. Uh, Saul Mooching, um, you know, uh, there, there's a lot of criticism last year with his selection into the Eagles. He didn't play in the MLR. Um, I, I'm not sure. Well, the ARC is almost over, so he's going to have a lot of time to put his, uh, you know, put his hand up and develop under this coaching staff, but he had a really good game. Uh, so, but man, Saul, I'm going to tell you, if you're going to play the blind side, I need you to get big. We need to get back to Washington big, start eating some hamburgers, start lifting them weights, and just get huge like James Haskell. Because uh, maybe we'll talk about why the Eagles' six shirt is open uh, later on in the podcast. (laughs) You shut up. (laughs) You know I have to be the ass. I'm from Massachusetts, man. Uh, so in truth, (laughs) mass hole, dude. So, uh, in truth, I wasn't able to watch this one because, uh, I was kind of working at the same time that it was on. Uh, you know, it happens with all of us rugby fans, except I just had the the good fortune to be working at a rugby game. Uh, but the end result, obviously, like I said, was no surprise. It felt like all of last season, San Diego was ready to break out, but they just never really did. They made the playoffs. They had a good season, but I never felt like they ever kind of took over the way they were capable of. Now, like I said, I wasn't able to watch this game, but I did check out the official stat report. Um, We had total dominance on San Diego's end. A 60% possession advantage, 71% territory advantage, and nearly seven full minutes more of attacking minutes. All that total of 814 meters gained compared to just 499 for Austin. Now, I dug through some of the stats to see where Austin may have edged out San Diego. Uh, and the only thing that I was, uh, you know, I was able to really find for uh, Austin in terms of a bright side was tackling percentage with 86% compared to 83%. But if you look at that on the flip side, if your team is doing more tackling than the other, you're, you don't have the ball in hand and you're not going to be scoring. So, you know, tomato, tomato, however you want to look at that. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, you know, you want to have a high completion percentage uh, when it comes to your tackling, but either so 
in a game, if you win, there are interesting stats to look at if you have a lot of tackles. It usually means you don't have possession. Uh, but if you're losing and you don't have possession and you have a lot of tackles, that just I mean that just shows what's up, I guess, right? Uh, you know, in this, like their tackle rate got driven up, but really what San Diego was able to do is just really tactical compared to, you know, they weren't necessarily out physicaling them around the park the entire time because they, they wanted to play a much faster game. But it would, I mean, we've seen San Diego at home at least play that style of game where they just pummel you as well. Uh, it would be interesting to see how they match up well, they've already played the Seawolves, <laughs> and they so how they match up really with another offensive team in New Orleans. Um, so no look, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, something's going to turn for Austin. I it's probably going to be in the second half of the season when they're on the road, though. So that's going to suck uh, mm-hmm. for for Austin fans. But the home games are ticking away, unfortunately, man. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Ciao. All right. Well, uh, so that happened on Friday. Then Saturday, we uh, turned over the page to Utah. We had uh, Glendale traveling up north, or not north so much, I guess, uh, more west than anything. Uh, I don't know geography. Uh, Like like west, so it's like Denver right here. Salt Lake is like up here, so it was like a west Northwest type, north by yeah. northwest, and they ran into Jimmy Stewart in an airplane. Well, north by northwest would have put them in like Wyoming. Yeah. So, let me make the Hitchcock uh, reference, man. I'm a film nerd. <laughs> I got you. I got you. I was with you. That's following you down that rabbit hole. <laughs> so yes, uh, Raptors versus hateful, Warriors. Eh? And you know what happened? I'll tell you what happened. Nobody won this game. Yeah. Also, nobody lost this game. It's kind of weird. They actually draw, uh, pulled a draw on this one. Uh, 26 all. First draw in Major League Rugby. Took us a season and a half to get here. Uh, It was interesting. You know, uh, the Raptors didn't score for the first about 50 minutes of this game. Um, Utah was able to put on 21 points on them. And uh, suddenly the Raptors just woke up um i think they made some strategic substitutions maybe brought in some fresh legs and uh yeah i don't know uh liam why don't you start us off and tell us what you saw at this game so i just want to say utah should have won this game when you go up 21 to nothing through 50 minutes you need to keep the pedal to the metal man but utah y'all just fell off i mean like what happened like now, obviously, when you have players like Luke White and Ryberg who refuse to go down on first contact, and then you have the ageless wonder known as Adam Malifa paired with uh, Mika Kruse and Holly Davidson on the outside, it's going to be difficult. A comeback is always going to be possible, but even still, dude, like twenty-one to nothing through fifty minutes is a lot of points. Now, continuing as I have tonight, let me break down some of the numbers for y'all. Utah's fast start was able to get them a 51% possession advantage to go along with a 53% margin in territory. But those could have definitely been higher had their late game collapse not allowed Glendale to control so much of the possession in the final 25 minutes of the match. Because 
really they did. That's like they, they were able to just to keep the ball, keep scoring points, and keep being efficient. What gets even more frustrating is that Glendale led this game in turnovers with Utah making an additional three steals in the breakdown. So Utah was creating opportunities for them to put this game away, but they just weren't capitalizing on them. And that's what just that, you know, I imagine that's extremely frustrating for fans of the Warriors to have been watching. Now, one thing that did make sense when all was said and done was Glendale's 80% mark making the gain line far outstripped Utah's 68%. Now, that probably has a lot to do, again, with guys like White, Ryberg, and Rogers, who are just so hard to bring down. Uh, you know, when you allow guys to run like that on the short ball, it can sometimes be just as effective at uh, gaining ground when, and passing it out wide. So Glendale, they just have so many players who can attack you from all different ways, whether they want to pound the rock or they want to pass it out wide. They're going to find ways to score points, and you're never going to shut them out. But it's just all Utah needed to do was just to shore up on defense and make sure that the, the points that were going to be scored were kept to a minimum. They just couldn't do that, which so, sucked. So far, Glendale's problem is they are just not putting together complete games. And, you know, I said this, I think, what was it, after the first week? Uh, and, you know, I was like, someone's going to get run over. And, you know, it happened to be Austin, but I think everyone's running over Austin at this point. Uh, but I was watching this match in the background of the Eagles match, and it was kind of wild. Was Utah finally putting it together? Because there's something about when you put an Islander, a mostly Islander squad together, they tend to gel at, at a certain point and just just run off with this stuff. Um, but I guess what? not. I guess not. Um, Glendale woke the heck up, won the second half. John Ryberg's a freaking mutant. Uh, you know, Brock Stollard had a decent game instead of a great game. For Seattle, we're probably talking about John Ryburn being player of the week uh, because he had over 200 meters gained, two tries. Uh, you know, when it comes to tackling or carrying, he was he was really everything. Uh, you know, I think people call him muscles. Uh, well, he needs a better haircut, okay? Like, that's probably why they call him muscles because the haircut just takes away from him. Um, but let's also talk about Chad Guff. I think we had hookerception, like hooker inception. Um, so Chad Guff was an All-American at Utah and was once coached by Blake Burdett. And Blake Burdett was the reserve hooker for Utah. What, where, where, and what happened? Where is Alex Vorster? What, I mean, someone asked that question. Uh, we're gonna get to that, but Blake Burdett's 39, man. Blake, bro, it's it's time to just go coach the scrum and call it good. Uh, you know, uh, like why is the coach, the former coach of the the Utah selects now? <laughs> those like backing up at hooker for Utah. That's just so insane. But Chad Guff, uh, 95 meter try in limited time. He put up a great effort for Glendale without that taking that, that ball, we might be talking about a, a Utah victory, but they, they just have guys that can turn it on at the right time. And I guess, you know, Glendale overall figured out, what they needed to do with their tight five in the last 30 minutes of the game. Uh, what's going on with Utah? You know, in the press, they talked about 
improving their defense and fitness, I can tell you that it just fell right the heck off. Defense became non-existent and lackadaisical. Fitness, I mean, like the guys were just sort of jogging after Chad Guff. I, I know that there's no reason why Chad Chad Guff is going to outrun Fatu Vinicolo, but he did. So, and that's your your first draw in Major League Rugby history. I, I just want to say on that note, though, the one thing pro rugby really got right was overtime. Uh, I know, you know, over in Europe, it's not that big of a deal, but I really, really don't like draws. It just leaves me wanting more. It's like drinking a Diet Coke, you know, just. Well, my I got a bigger issue with bonus points somehow pushing you higher on the table, even though someone else has more wins. So I guess we both can have things to gripe about. Mm-hmm. And gripe we shall. Just like Corey, man. We're always going to complain, no matter what. That's what so we do. We got ears full of dirt, and that's what we do. Mm-hmm. So uh, the last game of the weekend, uh, Seattle finished us out on a Sunday night again. Um, actually kind of enjoy ending my weeks with uh, – with good competition up in Seattle. That's been a lot of fun so far. Uh, this time around, it was Rooney uh, going up against the seawall, and uh, boy, oh boy, it did not go well for him. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, for the Rooney, first 20 minutes, it went all right. But then after that, no, it didn't. <laughs> uh, Rooney fell at Starfire, 33-21. to 21. Um, i got to say, I was kind of surprised by a double-digit loss by Rooney. Uh, that just seemed big. That was a bigger margin than I was expecting uh, from a team that I thought had been looking pretty good. So, I don't know. Uh, Aaron, what do you think of this one? Well, let's, 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 let's take a step back and, you know, why I told our friend Greg, Greg Grinelli Craig Cradelli over at American RFC and a writer for the Runner Sports that I don't know why you think New York is so high on your power rating list uh, because they've only played one game. And it was – do you guys – does everyone remember how the San Diego game went for them? Because they scored seven points off a penalty try. So that's eight – that means they actually scored 18, uh, right? And they scored, yeah, it was like 25. And then San Diego just dominated the last 40 minutes of that game. So, but then they, you know, they sort of made people believe in what they did and they came from behind and defeated New Orleans. Yet their flaws from those games were very apparent in this one. Um, But before we get to that, we need a slow clap. For Starfire, finally, after so many complaints, I don't know who was spoken to, but we have white lines marking the rugby pitch instead of the blue stuff, the yellow stuff, whatever, and it just looked bad. But we had white lines, and it was beautiful. Thank you. Let's keep it going the rest of the season. No more blue, no more yellow. We're good. 
Well, uh, we'll, we'll give it to you. You tried something different. You, you got creative. It didn't work. There's nothing wrong with that. But now just stick to what works. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. What ain't broke, the concept of white lines on a rugby field. <laughs> um, but, you know, so like I said, uh, I don't know how. So let's talk about scrum. Again. Scrum. So... I was uh, I was talking to Gary Gold today during press availability. He's like, you know, we could sit and over a period of hours, I could bore you with the technical aspects of why, like how a scrum works and the process. And I was like, well, you know, someday I said, well, someday we're just gonna have to have to make that happen, you know. <laughs> but um, so I, I don't know how New York earns some of their scrummage penalties, and I, I really don't. Uh, because Patty Ryan and James Rockford were getting dominated by Tim Metcher and Ali Khalifi. Uh, you know, I've, I've talked about their props, uh, you know, have had a rough go really since week one, and their back line has been what's kept them in, in you know, all three of these games, really. Uh, I would say stylistically, the attacks are very similar, more so due to Seattle's previously you know, lack of coaching, you know, what, the system they used was more last season was more opportunistic than not, but I, I really got to, we're going to have to sit down and talk to Mike Tolkien because I want to see what he's changed from when he was the Eagles coach, because there was compared to the NOLA game, there was just like a lack of creativity. What's changed or is it just not being executed? Well, like they still put the ball in play, but they ran into a, a good team. And, you know, Nola was a good team, and Nola probably would have won that game if, you know, Scott Gale and J.P. Eloff just, you know, woke up on the right side of the bet when it came to kicking points. Uh, but, in you know, in this, like, so really props, Achilles heel, poor scrummaging, all, but also around the park. They, like we talked about, props being able to run. They didn't really get it done. But Seattle's attack is starting to shift. Uh because there's two reasons: uh, coaching, Richie Walker being able to be that extra that that set of eyes that is not playing, and like install a system. And Sima, last year they they didn't have a a healthy kicking fly half. Peter Smith, he was only available two games. Uh, Will Holder played some fly half for them. Will Holder is not a kicking fly half. Uh, and what I mean by kicking fly half isn't just kicking for points. And I mean being able to put the ball in play on chipping chases and squib, you know, and grubber, squib and grubber kicks. Uh, but if Seema keeps playing like this, he, he's going to be back in an Eagles jersey, at least to carry some water on in Japan. Uh, set piece. Seattle dominated this, counteracting most of what New York tried to do, whether it was in the scrum or in the lineout. They stole at least, they stole three lineouts and they scored mm-hmm. off two, I think two of those. Uh, or like, through phase play, they got that that possession led to two scores for Seattle. It was again the Seattle game was still a bit more opportunistic. Yeah, uh, you know Liam's going to talk about st- statistically what was going on, but that really because of the handling errors, like that's why there's a big diff- big difference for New York and why they gained so many more meters versus Seattle. It's sort of like. Uh, Sort of like Glendale being able to put up a thousand meters a game and still lose three games in a row or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So. 
Yeah. Well, if you want to talk about, you know, statistical anomalies with people who lose, let's get on to this game. So I just want to say right off the bat, I hate this game. I thought the rugby itself played was great, but like uh, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, I was trying to edit this game all day today. Sports Code was glitching, so I was basically watching all of the players on film kind of be robots. Uh, yeah, so it, it, it wasn't a fun time. Uh, the first half of this game I found to be way more competitive before Seattle really started to pull away. Uh, I like the way Rooney moved the ball around at points, but there were faces that just left totally unfinished because of stupid mistakes, penalties, uh, especially some t- a few turno- turnovers in the breakdown that could have uh, swayed momentum a different way. So totally unexpected stat here, though. Rooney controlled 60% of the possession. 60% of the possession. Let that kind of sink in. Not only that, but they outgained Seattle by more than 280 meters throughout the entire game. So just looking at that, like I said, so many great finish that were just left unfinished, whereas Seattle, they were just being efficient, man. But how much time was like how much time was that inside Seattle's 22, though? Not a lot. So No, it, it was definitely it was between the 22s and um, Seattle, I, believe, I believe territory was only at like 53 or 54 yeah, percent. Seattle for, was able to keep them out of their out of their half and out for out of their 22. And you know you can always put up garbage meters, but like I said earlier, if you're giving away set pieces, you're gonna lose. Yeah. Period. And there was uh, there was one where Seattle just took their scrum put. Like but, but it was thing, weird. Well, yeah, it was funny. The, it was. <laughs> the thing is, though, Seattle was just efficient, though. So I so so I did a little bit of like the simple math. I'm not good at math, so just really quick division. Seattle was averaging about 6.26 meters per pass, which is about where you want to be. While New York was only about about 5.4. So, like, so, so, kind of like like you're implying, they, they they allowed New York to sort of control possession, like between the between the twenty twos. But when it came to actually doing stuff when you had possession of the ball, Seattle was just by far, you know, the better team. They made the most of the opportunities that they had, whereas Rooney just ate up the clock, tired out their own players, and kind of took away their chances of a comeback as the clock continued to tick and tick and tick. It wasn't up until about. 65 70 minutes i would say new york had a chance in this one to come back but after that it was pretty clearly to be seattle's game i gotta say i must not have a lot of fly halves following me on twitter because no one answered my question uh about uh what sema did do, do we think that sema fumbled the ball a little bit before he kicked it no, or was that a fake? Yo, was it so, a straight fake? So I, I remember them talking about this on the original broadcast, and I had the chance to watch it, you know, multiple times today while breaking down the film. Absolutely, absolutely not, dude. He just kind of like he almost it was almost like he faked it almost. But well, you know, well, the, well, that's what I'm saying. Is like, was it an intentional fake, or did it just sort of happen? Because I, I think it just sort of kind of happened, but it definitely wasn't a knock on by any. No, by no, no. I'm, I'm not saying it was a knock on because it clearly wasn't. But I want to know: Are we going to bring in the fly half double clutch in, uh, <laughs> in? In in I would love to see that. Just start becoming a, like start becoming a thing, like the pump fake in football. You have a fly half fake uh, where he double clutches the ball when he's going to kick it, and then you know what what happens because there's there's a there's a level of commitment that happens when he, when people are thinking there's about to be a knock on, but 
puts the ball downfield and Stoller clear vision and just runs down, gets it, dots down for the try. Like th- that's when you like there was a knife shoved right through the heart of New York when that happened. Good. <laughs> Shipping up to Boston. Whoa. It's not even like like I mean, yeah, it's partially a Boston thing, but it's also well, the fact that I, I want so them to be demoralized before they get the down thing. to Unity Houston. Like shipping up to Boston? Like the DJ at Starfire played shipping up to Boston when they scored. <laughs> it was so funny. I was like, okay. I I I mean, at the same time, you think people in Seattle will be sick about hearing about Boston, you know, because who knows what would have happened if Marshawn had got the ball? I guess we'll never know. <laughs> well, and I got I to gotta love being back on the uh, comment section here on YouTube. It's been a while, um, and there is some serious uh, New York hate going on down here. Uh, <laughs> Raphael yeah. notwithstanding, uh, he's, uh, yeah, there's some tear-up going on. So, All right, uh, so... That wraps up Major League Rugby for the weekend, but of course our Eagles were also in action. Uh, they're back on U.S. soil. They're down in Texas uh, in Austin for this one. They faced off against Brazil. Uh, and like I feel like I've been saying every week, I wish I could have watched this game. I didn't. I can't afford it. Uh, so oh. what I know from Twitter... <laughs> so I guess... Is- so um, if anyone who... You know, Sunday night, Sunday, Sunday, I, I had a discussion about flow. And all I got to say is when I'm watching the, I'm watching the feed, right? Mm-hmm. And Alex Goff has an ESPN mic from the sideline. He probably got it at the thrift store, man. Like, give him a break. Got it so, at the thrift uh... store. <laughs> The, the second-hand uh, second broadcast shop. Uh, ESPN's got to find a way to make money somehow. Sell off their mics. <laughs> so uh, what we know from Twitter is that the U.S. beat Brazil 33-28. to uh, Whopping five points right there. Uh, on the surface, this sounds like a disappointing scoreline. Um, prove me wrong, guys. Uh, what? Huh? Uh, I didn't watch because so, I can't afford it. Why do you want me to? Well, I I guess I have to afford it somehow. I think I'm gonna get shot for this subscription. Uh, so spoke to Gary uh, this afternoon during press availability. There was some disappointment uh, following the match by by both the coaching staff and the Eagles themselves. Uh, talked to some of our our friends who spoke to some of the boys after the game. It was a win that felt like a loss, and you know. You know what they say, you learn more in a loss than you do in a win. So I really had to gather my thoughts before I wrote the recap, and I had to analyze you know, where we were at one point and where we are now. So going into this game, if you look at the tempo we played at first, pushing the ball in the center with some hard carrying and attempting to force up the tackle rate, I knew what we were trying to do early, and it was really to send a message. They're not sure we needed to send the message, uh, in the first half like that, uh, but it sort of played into Ostupi's hands rather than being more creative and just shoving the ball down their throat with with heavy heavy scoring. And 
you know, we did get more creative and we put up a lot of tries early. Uh, the Eagles did dictate the tempo and, you know, they're, you know, like during press availability, we talked about uh, some tries that were kind of called back. And, you know, if with a different ref, uh, maybe, maybe that changes. Uh, who knows? Uh, they, they were judgment calls, but uh, at least one of them looked pretty good. Like, uh, and, you know, we almost had it. We almost put the nail in the coffin. And at the half, scoring an extra time, uh, we got we got lucky, but John Quill, bro, do not do that. Uh, at blindside flanker, he came, he came unbound and started messing with the scrum as if he was trying to like tell the, the ref that there was something wrong. I, I really don't care because you're selling out on your loose head prop when you're coming out, when you just come unbound and you're not giving him the extra push that he needs against this dominant scrum that has their processes down because, you know, I, I talked about it in, in the recap that you can find on earfoldirt.com. This was basically an experimental type five. And this type five in this combination has never played together before. Yes, Nate Brakely and Nick Trevetta have been a lock pairing together uh, over numerous tests. Uh, but they also, ha- and you know, Nick Trevetta has props behind James Hildebrand before and his prop behind Paul Mullen before. But as a group, Chance Wengleski, James Hildebrand, Paul Mullen, Nate Brakely, and Nick Chavetta, uh, like they weren't – like they've never been together like that. And it really talks about the – pro, like the scrum as a process and the type five process is very important. And, you know, even with your back row and how they push. Uh, and this just – Johnny, you locks, you were lucky to not get a yellow. Um, so, but Gary talked about it on press availability and how, you know, it's beautiful because with what Ostupis did, he talked to their coaches after the game during the social and, you know, they went in depth and they're in the middle of a, you know, really big t- time type five revamp down there that, you know, they're, they're sort of peaking now and they've got the the great thing like for what they have they've got you know some really good talent uh in their starting props right now uh you know it's and as a pound for pound scrum it's probably one of the best if not the best in the world yes someone's gonna hit me for that but you know it's the truth uh would they compete against the all blacks no but that's why i said pound for pound uh, we need to make a lot of adjustments here. Uh, we learned that this was an important lesson and this did need to happen uh, so that we could play the rest of this tournament because, you know, it doesn't get easier uh, this week. No, 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 it does not. And with that in mind, if you guys are good with it, uh, let's get to the preview. And before that, let's get to the review. So, uh, every week we like to go back and uh, kind of go through our failures and successes and our predictions. Um, so I think, unless I've got any disagreements, I'll just kind of buzz through this and tell you all what we thought and what actually happened. Go right on ahead. So first game of the weekend was um, 
Toronto at Houston. And that uh, we all said that, well, let's see. I guess Aaron and I both had Toronto winning that one. Uh, Liam, you had Houston winning by three. The final score was 44-27 Toronto. Uh, San Diego was 45-17 over Austin. And it uh, looks like we all had San Diego on that one. Uh, I said by 12. Aaron said by 10. Liam said by 9. Glendale. Uh, Versus Utah, well, none of us predicted a draw on this one. Uh, a game of two halves. I said Glendale by three, Aaron said Glendale by five, and Liam said Glendale by ten. And then wrapping up the weekend, Seattle versus Rooney. Uh, with The final score was 33-21 Seattle. Um, I said Seattle by three, Aaron said Seattle by two, and Liam said Seattle or Rooney by six. Then on the national side, uh, we all predicted USA would beat Brazil, uh, and we were all a little too optimistic on this one. I said USA by 10, Aaron said USA by 15, and Liam said USA by 13. So, I mean, not terrible. I think we uh, we did a pretty good job splitting that one up. So, Well, the rugby forecast algorithm had USA beating Brazil by 47 uh, I gave <laughs> I, I gave our friend over at Rugby Forecast some cane. Like I, I shook the stick at him today, and he was like, "Who me?" Talking <laughs> <laughs> uh, <so>. to me. <laughs> so, Aaron, where does that put us on the standings then? Uh, so, San Diego moves to the top uh, at 18 points on the table. New Orleans drops uh, a week there idle. Uh, with a bye week uh, to second in the table with 17 points. Uh, Seattle moves up to third uh, with their victory over uh, Rugby United New York. And Toronto is now above the red line as a Final Four team uh, after uh, four matches played and five weeks of this season gone. Uh, Glendale, uh, well... Um, they've gained points in their losses and they got three points in this draw. So they have jumped up to fifth. Uh, New York has, well, I guess plummeted to, uh, to sixth uh, is the way to, to call that. Uh, Utah, uh, gets, gets some points here and I guess moves to seven, uh, Houston, uh, is tied uh, after their loss with six points on the table uh, with Utah. And then Austin is just adrift with only two points on the table in five losses. But, I mean, previous to previous to this game, um, their point differential was really close. And, you know, like San Diego is probably going to do to somebody else, uh, they, they – I doubled their point differential well and it's really like you said it's really bunched up at the top right now you know 18 points 17 points 16 points so two points separating the top three teams so there's going to be a lot of movement yet to come uh at the top of that chart all right coming up this weekend um literally every single game all weekend is on saturday night that includes uh, the uh, national ga- national team game. So might change my schedule. Mm-hmm. So uh, I hope yeah. nobody has any plans on Saturday. 
yes, Saturday night, just go ahead, uh, clear your calendar out for four hours, and you can get everything out of the way. That's all you need this weekend, four hours, uh, two monitors, you'll be set. Yeah. We, all right. Oh, my God. I, I just noticed that it's going to be at it's a night game for Houston again. I'm going to be at the freaking stadium until midnight. Grab some Red Bulls, man. Uh, yeah. Just, just bring your own coffee maker. You know, plug the, <laughs> plug the pot in, you know, industrial size, about 40 cups in it, you know. You'll, you'll catch a shot at me up on the picnic pavilion just, you know, with, with a Keurig right next to my camera. I'll, I'll, I'll give you guys a wave. <laughs> hey, you, hey, you've got uh, Castro here as a grad student. He's going to be able to teach you a whole lot of stuff about staying up late studying. So I, I was an English major, dude. Don't worry. I've been there, done that. <laughs> all right. Saturday night, starting at 8 p.m. These times are all in Eastern time zone, uh, which none of us inhabit, but we'll go with that. Uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, we have got Rooney at Houston, and that's on Facebook Watch. Uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Saturday, we've got uh, Toronto at Glendale on ESPN+, and uh, NOLA at Utah, also at 9 p.m. on ESPN+. And then the national uh, national games, USA versus Uruguay at uh, Starfire in Seattle at 10 p.m. Eastern. So going back to the top, what's your predictions, fellas? So, you know, this is, I would say, New York versus Sabercats is kind of a tough game to pick. Uh, they've, you know, beaten the two top teams in the league, but they've also lost some games. So we shall see. But I'm going New York minus eight. But I think if, if things go right – and they, Houston doesn't need to neutralize the scrum because they're better, if that makes sense. If they can do some of what Seattle did, I can see them winning by, uh, you know, an unconverted try. But I'm going New York minus eight here. Yeah, so I'm going to actually have to bet against the Sabercats uh, c- coming in this week. Uh, and like Aaron said, I think the Sabercats definitely have an advantage in the scrum, and if they're able to pull out the victory, I think that's going to be where it stems from. However, what I'm concerned about, though, is the comparative line speed between these two teams. Uh, Rooney, I think, is really efficient in terms of getting to the outside, whereas Houston definitely has the playmakers, but getting the ball out to them has has oftentimes been an issue this season, which is why I'm going to be, uh, be going Rooney minus seven. And... Uh... You know me, I love big store score lines, so I'm gonna go ahead and say I'm gonna say Rooney by twenty over Houston on the road. Come fit, mate. <laughs> twenty <laughs> points. You're insane. Yeah, um, well, it's not the first time I've been accused. Dude, of that. I'm I'm gonna like I'm gonna print out this script, right? Like like I run down and I'm gonna nail it to the damn bulletin board in the office and I'm gonna let every player look at that that freaking prediction. Hey I'm Mike, give a, hey Mike, I'm gonna give you your email sir. address. My coworkers said <laughs> minus twenty, bro. <laughs> hey, let that be a motivator. Hey, you could put that bet on if you have if you have Bitcoin, you could put that bet on Fairlay. <laughs> 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 you know, I actually do have like point zero 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 five six two Bitcoin just sitting around doing nothing right now. So it's like five hundred bucks, to... <laughs> dude. One of my one of my college friends bought a Bitcoin when we were like younger in high school, like like sophomore back when it was like actually affordable. 
still has this Bitcoin just sitting now, and yeah, he he's loving it right now. Well, <laughs> he, 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 he thinks could. it's going to be, he thinks he, it's going to be his retired. Well, until it crashed. Well, it already crashed. It's like at five grand right now. He should have sold at fifteen. Jeez. Hey man, let it ride. Fuck, I'm pretty sure he bought it for like twenty bucks. There you go. Uh, So, also Saturday is Toronto at Glendale. Aaron, what do you think about this one? Well, uh, the cold isn't going to be an issue. The altitude might. Uh, I'm still going Toronto minus seven. Uh, You know what they want to do with their game plan, and they also don't cough up the ball, which is important. And Glendale... They've cleaned it up some, but as we saw last week, this last week, they were asleep at the wheel for 50 whole minutes. So yet again, Glendale knows how to play attacking rugby. I can see them win this one if they hold onto the ball and don't knock it on a bunch of times or just let it slip through their fingers. Yet, you know, like I said, Toronto minus seven. Ooh. So uh, I'm going to be a little less optimistic for Glendale's chances. I'm going to be going Toronto minus 12. I think Toronto just looks like the much more complete team. I think Glendale lacks a lot of discipline. I think they create a lot of penalties and problems for themselves, especially in the breakdown. So I think Toronto is going to be able to take advantage of a lot of their mistakes in the way that Utah just wasn't able to in the second half of, uh, of last week's games. Uh, yeah, which is why Toronto minus 12. I'm going to go with Toronto minus five just because I think it's going to be a close game and I think Glendale will put up a good fight, but I just think Toronto's got the momentum right now. I can see this as being a second half game where somebody's going to pull away uh, at, at, at some point in time and it's going to look a lot more lopsided than it was. Or it could be a draw. We don't know. God <laughs> freaking forbid. Doug Schrodinger, we need you. No, that's a joke. We don't need you. Go back to your cave. (laughs) (laughs) And now Liam's being sued. (laughs) Sniper Uh, rifle through my... (laughs) Just dying. Uh, Then we have Nola traveling to Utah. Aaron, what you got on this one? Um, wow. Like, uh, so I'm going Nola minus five. They know how to, they don't start on the back foot. They play a wide open attack. They're going to score points. Uh, their games have been close and we saw last week that Utah can score points, uh, but, uh, they also can't play defense. So, uh, yeah, Nola minus five. This could even be ugly, but uh, I think Utah will score some points and keep it close definitely depends how utah wants to play this offensively if they allow uh it, you know if, if they allow themselves to play a little bit more fastball and catch nola off guard then obviously it, it might be a, a bit of a closer contest however i think nola has proven uh up to this point that they're efficient they're very fast they can put up a lot of points in a very short amount of time i'm gonna go uh, nola minus 10 but i think that they have the potential to score a lot more points yeah i like nola on this one too um for two reasons um First, they're coming off a bye week, uh, which means they're going to be rested uh, traveling up to Utah. But then also they're coming off of a loss before that, and so I think they're going to be hungry to climb back up to the top of that chart. So, And they, they don't have a 40-year-old hooker in the middle of their scrum? Correct. That helps. <laughs> oh. uh, then we're wrapping up the weekend with USA versus Uruguay Uso. in Seattle. 
Uh, yeah. Well, what do you think about this one, fellas? Um, when it comes to uh, overall roster shape, ours is still better. Uh, even though they're bringing in the big guns, I think this is going to be very close. Uh, I think that we are going to score points because that is what we want to do. But I also think Uruguay knows how to score some points as well. Uh, Santiago Arada is back from his suspension, so he's going to be able to run that attack very well. And we also know uh, what Uruguay is able to do with 14 men on the pitch like they did against Canada, which was, uh, as Gary said today, very impressive. So we are not taking this one lightly. Uh, but, um, you know, still got to back the boys. Uh, they know what they have to do. They know what they've got to fix, and they've got, a, you know, a standard week to do it. So, yeah, go Eagles. Yeah, uh, I'm going to agree with Aaron on this one as well. Uh, you know, obviously I got a good good, good friend in Sa- Santiago Arada going down there to uh, represent Uruguay. But uh, I'm going to have to go with Usa minus nine. I think the big, I think the big difference is going to be made in kicking at the post. I think that the USA is going to opt to take the points when they're there, and that's what's going to be able to put us over the edge. Although, uh, here's, here's to you, Santi. I hope you don't get another fucking uh, red card. <laughs> Well, I'm a little scared to say this because they might actually come and uh, uh, take away my citizenship, but I'm going to go ahead and say Uruguay by two on this one. I think uh, the U.S. has not been showing us much that I'm excited about, and I think they might just show up and surprise us. This is not our ARC. Maybe you should buy some flow so that you can actually watch the game, man. <laughs> I mean, geez. Project, pro- projections were going to be the test side that wins the ARC, but, you know, you got to play the game. It's going to be close. But Drink the Kool-Aid. Man, Kool-Aid. <laughs> picking against your boys, and we're not even playing a Tier 1 team. That, is, know, that is filthy. That is dirty. Ew. Go wash yourself. Uh, here, here. Okay, you want some logic? Uruguay is the second best uh, South American outfit behind uh, Argentina, in my opinion. You know, the last time we played them, we in in Montevideo, mm-hmm. we took our we took our talons, we flew into their nest, and we tore apart their little chicks because they're because <laughs> they're also birds. Uh, Los Teros are also a bird. It's a little bird. An eagle? An eagle is a big bird, all right? And the last time we played, we beat the brakes off of them after we were just eating steak all week. So um, if you want to know about, like, comparative scoring, history, history is on our side, man. And, yeah, yeah. we had a tough time against Brazil. I gotcha. But, uh, you know, it's going to be cold. It's but if, be rainy. if living in America has taught me anything, it's that the USA does not learn from history. So I refuse to accept that <laughs> as a legitimate as a point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing uh, in my lifetime has suggested to me that that's a thing. <laughs> maybe I'm just still upset about the Argentina match. Uh, that just was embarrassing. And now I'm worried. So, um, you know. They put up a good game against Argentina 15, which was kind of impressive because they didn't have all their big guns because all their big guns were playing MLR the last couple of weeks. So I, I get your point. But uh, them Eagles, they're going to be hungry. They're going to be hungry. They're going to 
tear apart the little chicklets and they're going to eat them. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> we really want to get graphic here. <laughs> Do you know? Did you guys know Ben Franklin advocated against uh, the eagle being uh, the national symbol of the United States? What an idiot! Yeah, no, he he advocated for the turkey. <laughs> I, I had heard that. I didn't know if it was real or if that was one of those gobble, gobble, you know, old gobble. wives' tales. Oh, man. Hey, man, I, I'm from Massachusetts, land of the pilgrims. I do love me some uh, some turkey. I, I will say that um, in certain neighborhoods of my city, and this is not going to help uh, the rural image of Iowa at all, uh, there are um, packs of wild turkeys <laughs> that wander around, and those suckers are freaking mean. Dude, so here's a question. Here's a question. Why don't you have a bow during hunting season, which spring hunting season is about to come out, and you can go put dinner on your table <laughs> by putting a bolt in one of the butts, and you'd be <laughs> like, honey, I brought you a turkey. Thank you. Be a, Drop be it a on the table and have her clean it. Yeah, Corey, un un until be a his provider. Until his wife is like, who's going to pluck and gut that thing now, Corey? <laughs> well, then you could just take it to the butcher and, you know, they'll they'll do it. They'll, well, they'll take care of it. From well, there. here's the thing, Corey. I can't even, like, put you down because, like, where I grew up, like, you know, like, just outside of Boston is, like, same thing. Packs of wild turkeys. Like, they move around, like pretty not to overuse this word tonight pretty efficiently man like they're in packs i've seen them use the crosswalks but like when they first started getting really bad they were like uh like they they all live near the middle school in my hometown because there's a bunch of woods behind it so when kids are walking to and from school the turkeys like would attack them and shit like that uh, it, yeah, oh my, yeah. if you had the camera rolling it was freaking on gold. the urban turkey hunting podcast next week yeah unfortunately <laughs> unfortunately in my town you'd get in a whole lot of trouble if you ever shot a bow uh out in public that'd be that'd be a bad thing <laughs> oh massachusetts I, land of the formerly free hey man we we got a lot of legal stuff in massachusetts that makes it awesome so <laughs> <laughs> can't imagine what you're talking about no nope, nothing <laughs> All right. We don't have happy uh, hour. Happy hour is illegal in Massachusetts. Like that's not even a joke. <laughs> so wow. I was, I was, yeah, I was in Taunton. Uh, Taunton. Yeah, one, one of my teammates is from Taunton. And uh, my buddy and I, when he got off work, this was like two, three winters ago or something like this. And uh, so I went to go visit him, and he was working um, in Taunton, and we went to the Applebee's. And this is how you know it's pretty, pretty. This is how you know it's pretty sad as far as the regulars are concerned. When, when you know the name of the bartender, like the chick at the Applebee's. <laughs> oh, come Dude. on. Dude, honestly, if I ever like, if I ever woke up in an Applebee's in Taunton, Massachusetts, I would just assume I was in hell. I'd be like, "Oh <laughs> shit, man! I, mean, I shouldn't have been such a dick." <laughs> that's pretty much, pretty much the point. <laughs> like, it's not even a Chili's; it's a, it's an Applebee's. Right? It's like a Motel Six in Buffalo, New York, dude. Like, this is the last place you really want to end up in your life. Oh, there you go. You know you've made some mistakes, man. 
Uh, oh golly okay guys we are uh successfully running behind here let's, yeah so we i guess uh let's do a lightning round let's answer all of them and uh go fast okay uh so we have got a bunch of questions from bob and uh, different folks so as always <laughs> questions from bob is our question and answer section of the show uh, a lot of these questions are collected from our reddit page that's reddit.com slash r slash ml rugby and we post a thread most weeks on there uh, seeking seeking questions for this section. So uh, we also got a few on here from Twitter and from YouTube. So Bob asks, St. Nee is our first submitter. Uh, if Reichert Hacken, Hattigan? Hatting. Reichert Hatting. Hatting. Reichert Hatting okay. is eligible. What will it take to get him called up? Uh, some more good tape on the season, maybe an injury here or there. Who knows? Um, well, he had an injury last year that didn't help him. Um, he's eligible in June. Uh, keeps that form. He's going to take someone's shirt. Uh, maybe mm -hmm. the blind side blinker. For the love of rugby, how long until Ellen Puddick, e Elon Puddick. Uh, gets a call up? Um, injury? Uh, you know, there, there's a long line at fullback, uh, but his coaching staff needs to push him for, so that he gets selected for the next USA Selects tour. Yeah, uh, I would probably put Zach Pangelin in ahead of him in terms of people who are more deserving of the fullback call-up. Uh, however, I doubt it's going to be long. He's a really versatile backs player. He's played in a number position uh, in the back row, so I could see Gary wanting to deploy him in a number of different spots. Greetings, ADM. Any update on how far off Sebastian Kalm is to joining AER? Uh, nope. No update. Um, I thought we'd see him now. He's uh, medically cleared, so it's got to just be conditioning. Mm -hmm. ChanDog99. Why is Blake Burdett, Burdett? Burdetti. Burdetti, uh, playing for the Warriors? <laughs> <laughs> Former Eagle or not, I should think Alex Vor Vorters, Vorters, Vorsters is in better shape than a 39-year-old front rower. Um, I've got no idea why Blake Burdett is starting, um, but we did have hookerception on Saturday with uh, Blake Burdett going up against Chad Guff. Uh, you'll have to ask Elf. Uh... You know, sometimes it's about the person, sometimes it's about the schedule, any number of things. Uh, he who walks slow. Do you guys want, or when do you guys want the ARC to happen? As as it is now, or change to a different time of year? Um, I mean, I would like to see it maybe move to like middle of June, but at the same time, I don't really have much of a problem with it. Um, I love the winter tournament idea. I think it needs to be in this window to truly commercialize rugby uh, on the international level for the the Eagles themselves and sell those tickets. Uh, but that takes proper investment from USAR, and there hasn't been so. But still, football in the U.S. and Canada can't, football is huge in Canada. Going up against that is going to be tough. But Conky two one nine five. Which franchise will most likely become a dynasty in the future? San Diego has the weather to attract the best talent in the league. 
Also, the ability to entice those playing in sevens residency to play 15s full-time. You could be making 80 grand a year in San Diego and be just above the poverty line. Uh, however, I did say either San Diego or Seattle, their academy systems are set up the right way and their fan bases are going to be there to support it. Well, if you live under a bridge and you're making 80 grand, you're above the poverty line. It <laughs> <laughs> was mad fun, but it's just wicked expensive. <laughs> okay, this, is, this one came off Twitter. Adrian Thompson is at Wardley01. Last time the Seawolves lost at Starfire was week one of, 20, of the 2018 season. Who do you think will be the side to end that streak? Uh, I can't. It's hard to speculate, so I'm just going to go with uh, Houston, baby. Uh, <laughs> San Diego. San Diego. San Diagans. Sant Diego. I think it means a whale's vagina. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, early 2000 references. <laughs> Jeff Connett. 41. This is coming off YouTube. Kennett. 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 Uh, Jeff Kennett. Sorry for mispronouncing your last Freaking name. Freaking Iowa. Jeff. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, <laughs> he, uh, he did point out just moments ago regarding uh, San Diego that it is currently legal to live in your van in San Diego. <laughs> yeah. Not dude, sure I, how much longer that's going to last, though. I used to live in Santa Monica, man. It's legal there, too. In fact, like there's like whole neighborhoods of people who live in their freaking vans. They're called bums. <laughs> uh, living in living in LA is, a, is an odd experience. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> uh, so Jeff wants to know: Would the MLR ever consider doing a local blackout like the NFL used to do? Oh, MLR is never going to have numbers like the please, NFL. Please so. don't. No. Yeah. No. 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 Don't. Please. <laughs> All right, that's a hard no. Uh, final question of the night from Steven Sealers. Sealer, uh, how critical is the bench, and which team has the deepest or most impactful bench? Uh, well, so the bench is very critical, especially in this much longer season compared to season one. I think uh, you know later on in in the in the uh, you know in the tournament. Uh, as they might say in the in Europe, uh, we're going to be seeing exactly how important the benches are. Um, I would say Houston definitely has the deepest uh, roster in terms of the scrum um, at the sa- at the expense of depth in the backs. Uh, I guess it's kind of up to opinion. Um, I, I I might put San Diego uh, up there in terms of depth, uh, you know, across the board at least. Well, I mean, uh, I think overall San Diego probably has the greatest crop of front rowers right now in the league. Uh, I'm sure my friends in Houston will disagree with me, but uh, the bench is extremely important. You have 23 guys, eight on the the bench. Use them. If you don't, uh, well, Austin didn't use their bench effectively last year, and they lost a bunch of games. So... Mm -hmm. And just for my for my sake, I'll say that I think Nola's got a uh, solid bench as well back there, especially once the ARC wraps up and they get uh, all their players back. It could get real interesting real quick. Oh. All right. Well, that's it, fellas. Uh, any final thoughts on our way out? Um, I've got a midterm paper to write on <laughs> like pro sports law. 
So <laughs> I remember doing homework, but uh, I I'm just gonna say I'm tired. And I have that the same problems that plagued me today with sports code are gonna plague me tomorrow because I, I didn't exactly fix the problem. I just kind of was like, oh, it's <laughs> four o'clock. I'm going. I'm going home to listen to my audio book and eat. <laughs> <laughs> You got your 15 hours in for the day. Straight up. <laughs> All right, fellows. Well, I don't have anything much to add, so I guess I'll just go ahead and read the legal crap, and then we'll uh, go to bed. Mm-hmm. On our way out, please note that all opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the hosts and the guests and do not necessarily reflect of the beliefs or practices of Major League Rugby teams or the league. Aaron Castro is employed by Major League Rugby. Liam Madigan-Fried is employed by the West Houston Lions and the Houston Sabercats. Be sure to turn in next. Turn be sure to tune in next week. We'll be live uh, here on YouTube every single Monday night during the season, and available on your favorite podcast platform every Wednesday morning. If you like what you, what we do, please subscribe to our YouTube and iTunes feeds. It really helps us uh, helps folks find us. And be sure to share your news, views, and abuse with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you guys so much for listening. Until next time, get out there and watch some rugby. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can share your thoughts with us via our voicemail by calling 720-600-2679. We're live again next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you then.